One of the things I understand about codependency is that it is a very serious form of idolatry. Trying to get from some another person, uh, or trying to be to another person, what they can only get from God is, in fact, idolatry. The two great commandments, as set forth in the New Testament and spoken of by Jesus, is that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and our neighbor as ourself. Now, this is the biblical pattern of interdependence. Uh, independence, being a, a hermit or some kind of isolated individual, is not only unbiblical, it's destructive to our humanity. On the other extreme, however, is this nature of codependence that tells us that we can only get our needs met. We can only um, uh, find happiness and peace in another person, whether that be a a relationship with a a man or a woman, depending on your gender, um, whether you could have to find, try to find that by having children, uh, any number of ways where you take control of a situation by controlling another person and making an agreement. Now listen carefully, making an agreement that I will give you what you need if you give me what I need, but in a selfish and destructive manner. Now, codependency is not a mental health diagnosis, but it is a symptom, as, a, as the website Got Questions points out, a symptom associated with many other psychological disorders. Now, so where it comes into play biblically is that it becomes a block to you spiritually. Whenever we are caught up in some kind of idolatry, it is impossible, apart from the wor- a work of grace, a, wake- a work of intervening grace, for us to grow spiritually. And so what we do, we look to the Word of God, we lear- learn to realize that ultimately, this is a very important word, ultimately, our ultimate source for all of our human needs is God himself, our creator. We are the creation. He is the creator. He alone knows what we need at the very core of our being. But in the fall, we collapsed into each other. We collapsed into each other because there was no longer God between us. In the New Testament language, we could say that there's no longer Christ between us that unites us. It's just us, and we collapse into each other, and we make this silent agreement, this unspoken contract, that I will meet your needs, you meet my needs, and everybody will be happy. And you become dependent rather than interdependent. Now, interdependence is when you understand that Jesus is Lord, and that you're, and therefore that lordship, his teaching. His lordship is the paradigm out from which you conduct all your relationships. Your conduct within relationships is tied to the lordship of Jesus. But we are many times still habituated to the old Adamic mindset, which says, I'm going to get what I want, when I want it, however I want it, and I really don't care what anyone has to say, let alone God himself. That's called lust. And so most people enter into relationships or pursue especially romantic relationships out of lust. They're going to get what they want. And at that point, it's a done deal. 
they may give a, a, a nod or a wink towards God. They may give a nod or a wink to another person. But as a pastoral counselor, I see this pattern over and over and over and over and over again, where couples come into my office in a desperate state of mortal combat. Because like children, they believe they only one of them can get their needs met in the relationship. Or they're in disagreement as to whose needs are more important. Or they don't have anything going on between them other than their relationship. And so they fall into this trap of believing that they themselves are the soul, or the relationship is itself, the sole ultimate source of getting their needs met. And that they will simply die with each other or die without each other. And so that's the dilemma. People come into my office, they sit down, couples come into my office, and they sit down, and then that's, that's the dilemma that they're in. It feels like we're dying in our relationship. They, they think it's the relationship that's dying, but it's actually they're killing each other. Slow, toxic death. They can't live with each other, and they can't live without each other. Now, we could play all that back. We could play out to the very moment that these two people met each other, and we can reframe it. And if we could reframe it and say, okay, this is a relationship, hopefully with another believer, this is a good thing, this is lovely, this is wonderful, we'll begin as friends, we're going to give this relationship adequate time to play out, adequate time to prove itself, adequate time to to show itself to be the, the will of God before we pursue a romantic or more um, particular union uh, with a paradigm of marriage in view. But that's where it breaks down oftentimes because uh, when we're young, we want we have these pheromones, we have these hormones driving us, and it's almost impossible to um, stay celibate unless you get uh, some kind of... Um, uh, guidance and some kind of accountability going in your life, but it's 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 being driven by hormones, and and it's I must admit, Paul said it is better for us to marry than to burn with lust. Now that's a concession on the apostle's part. He's not recommending it. It's a concession to the human fallenness that we tend to pursue relationships on our terms. So I just want to remind you today that relationships, as important as they are, and again, this is part of the series I'm doing now, where, where my thesis, my whole paradigm, is that the gospel produces loving, healthy relationships. Only the gospel produces loving, healthy relationships. And, and it doesn't say that it should produce healthy, loving relationships, or might produce loving, healthy relationships. No, it's inherent within the gospel that if we possess the gospel, biblical gospel of Jesus Christ, it will show up in our relationships because we will uh, learn if we've gotten good pastoral care, we've gotten good teaching, we will no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the cunning scheming of men. But rather, we will grow up in Christ 
And Christ himself is our model for how to do relationships. Now, it's very interesting to me that Christ is our model as to how to do relationships, but he was never in a romantic relationship. He was never married. Neither was the Apostle Paul. So these are principles that transcend marriage. Marriage and romantic relationships in Western culture are the ultimate end to every intent, it seems. We are addicted to romance. We are addicted to terminology that define our romantic intentions. And we forget that relationships have far more to do with the opportunity to be of service and to be kind and to give oneself to another unconditionally rather than this codependent idolatry where we either seek to place that person in the position of God in our life or we seek to play God in another person's life. And it's at that point, there's no hope. There's no hope for spiritual growth. And ironically, there's no hope for the relationship. So I just want to encourage you to recognize that relationships are the most, outside of our relationship with the Lord himself, our relationships with each other are the most precious thing that we have in this life. We have um, these relationships because we, we are in relationship with the Lord. We love because he first loved us. We become genuine lovers of other souls because we are in union with the one who is the lover of souls. But this thing of codependence, this thing where we make other people, places, and things the ultimate goal in our life, the ultimate source of our, of our needs being met, is just insidious. It, just, it is so subtle. It is so cunning. It is so powerful. And as they say in Alcoholics Anonymous about the drink, it is too much for us. Without help, it is too much for us. The good news is there is a solution. We can learn to recognize that it's Christ between us that unites us. And Jesus has to be, the Lordship of Christ has to be the umbrella over which our relationships flourish. If we are not wholly accountable to him, if we are not saying, thy will be done in relationships, then there's only going to be one outcome for that relationship. And I don't care how many fireworks are in the beginning. I don't care how many flowery moments you have. I don't care how much uh, the, uh, the, uh, the chemical m- m- makeup is flowing between you. Ultimately, you're going to wake up one day and realize you've made a horrible choice. And you will either have to reframe that relationship through pastoral counseling, biblical counseling. You'll have to learn to reframe that relationship. And that's going to be very painful. It's going to be a very painful process. Or you can start out right in the beginning. Now, as I say, as a pastoral counselor, I've seen this over the years. I've seen it how... I see it, sadly, the the wrong end of it. I see when people have already made these decisions, they're already locked into mortal combat, and they can't live with each other, and they can't live without each other. It's just a disaster. 
So why not start from the beginning? Why not understand that just as two circles unite in the, in the middle and then form a visica in which Christ resides and you are in the rest of the circle, allow Christ, make Christ, in fact, I, it's a commandment that Christ be Lord of your relationships. It's not even, we're not inviting him to do anything. We're not suggesting, he's not suggesting, <laughs> he is Lord. And so we ought to do things as his way. And I'll close with this, John chapter 13, as Jesus entered into the last evening of his life, he sat down with his disciples Knowing that the hour had come, this is John 13, 1, that he would depart out of the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God, was going back to God, got up from supper, and laid aside his garments, and taken a towel, he tied it around himself. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had tied around himself. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not realize now, but you will understand afterwards. And Peter said to him, You'll never wash my feet, ever. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he washed their feet and taken his garments and, and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. You are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. End quote. Do you want your relationships to be blessed? Do you want to know blessing in your relationships? Then follow the pattern of self-sacrificial service in your relationships. Care for people through the lens of Christ. Let Jesus between you be what will be the one who unites you. And come to recognize, I beg you, those self that, that latent selfishness in our unredeemed flesh that drives us to use other people to get our needs met. And then we make this unspoken contract that we will uh, agree to meet their needs but in a way that only God can meet each other's needs, and so it simply never works out. 
you can't play God in another life's person's life, or you can't ask someone else to play that in, play him in your life and have it work out. It's Christian interdependence that we want, not codependence. Well, keep listening. Keep coming back. I hope you will, as we continue this series on um, learning to love, learning to stay free of, of um, uh, be, get ourselves free of developmental patterns and codependence and other addictive patterns in relationships so that we can finally realize in our life in a much greater way the truth that the gospel creates loving, healthy relationships. Amen.